Hello, I'm Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg, and welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Hey, Alan. Hey, Mark. <laughs> oh, what a week last week. Did you make it through? Yeah, did you make it through Google I.O. okay? I was exhausted by the end, but yeah, I did. And, you know, in some ways, it's not unusual for me to be exhausted by the end of Google I.O. The difference is I was at home the entire time this year. Did, did you have to, did you like walk around your house while it was going on? So you'd get the equivalent of all the walking around time that you would I, normally I did got? not. I, in, in fact, um, on the first day, I was in my chair for five hours straight. Oh, during man. The, the two keynotes. And we had a discussion on voice lunch before the keynote. And yeah, that then was some fun. discussion afterwards. So yeah. all of that was five hours of me mostly sitting in my chair. And I was yeah. needed a walk after that. <laughs> it was fun. It was that was something new. Uh, kind of watching, well, di discussing the conference before, and then watching the keynote um, with all of our voice lunch friends. That yeah. was that was very nice. You know, one of the things I really that I always say, and I say this every year about I/O, is that yeah, there are the technical sessions, and there's you know the stuff to learn. And there's the keynotes and there's all of that. And all of that's fine. But the important bit about I.O. is really the people. Yes. Really connecting with the Googlers, the engineers, and more importantly, the other people that are doing work in the same space you are. So, you know, it's, it's finding people in these sessions and just sitting next to one of them and reacting with them when you see what's going on. Yeah. And, and it's that little comment like, hey, I wonder if they're going to do this or... Exactly. Or, yeah. or, you know, sitting down with a table full of other people at lunch and just kind of talking about, well, why are you there? What did you learn? What session did you go to that morning? What session are you interested in this afternoon? Right. You know, those are the things that really, really makes IO for me. So I was really, really happy that we were able to do that with the rest of the voice lunch folk. We had a, a fantastic turnout during the keynote. And it was really fun just, you know, watching this and chatting and, you know, seeing other people and how everyone else was reacting and reacting along with them. And Making that was, jokes about mom and... Right. La, 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 muda. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of, uh, lots of interest, lots of good camaraderie talking about yep. it. And that's always, that's always good. Um, and, you know, that was, this is, is a little bit outside of what we like to talk about, but what did, what did you think of uh, La MDA and kind of what promise it, it might or might not have for, for us as developers in the voice space? So we've had a little bit of exposure to, on Voice Lunch to Anna and um, you know, the, is it GPT? Um, yeah, the GPT-3. GPT um, stuff and, and now uh, Lambda. Um, however you're pronouncing it. Um, so it is, in, it is interesting to see where things are going. I don't think you know it's ready for prime time yet, um, but at some point in time, it could be very interesting. It seems to be more of a uh, true conversation with your assistant as opposed to a you know, turn by turn command response. That's interesting. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it could you know, get that direction. I, I don't know, you know, it's it's seems like it'd be a really big ask or you know a big challenge to 
have that the the questions surface stuff that are that's important to you um as opposed to you know kind of a conglomeration of things from whatever all the data sources that it's uh, using as as sources but right i think i think that's my biggest issue with some of these large learning models is that they're meant to have generalized conversations which is yes. great if you've got generalized answers but i'm not sure how well this would work in more narrow circumstances like mm -hmm. when i just wanted to talk about my product and give answers to my product or even you know when it's you know it's your data and it's just your data how it's going to respond with that information so that's i don't know I think you're right. It's exciting to watch and see where it's going, but I have a feeling there's a long way to go before we yeah. can address some of these issues. Yeah, it's not going to show up in any the major platforms in the next I don't know two or three years for sure. I don't know. That's it seems like it seems, the timeline's a lot longer than that. Yeah. So that was you know that was that from the keynote, and there was some other interesting stuff from the keynote that didn't seem very uh, assistant related, <laughs> but we did finally get real. Google Assistant news at the Google Assistant keynote on the second day. That's true. And um, we had some interesting announcements from that. Not always exciting and not always the ones I wanted to hear, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it seems like the, the two big, like if you were to do like broad, broad categories was mobile and interactive canvas is kind of how I, I divided things up. I, how about you? How did you see it? I would divide it that way too. And I think that's actually... Um, an important thing to notice and think about is that they're saying that we've started, you know, we've delivered conversational actions before and, and we've kind of tapped out where that's going. Maybe now they're going to start looking at making sure that actions get supported in web apps and mobile apps. And I think that's what we're going to see the, the two evolve into. So mobile apps being supported with the, the updates to app actions and web apps being supported with uh, some updates to interactive Canvas. So what was, there was a statistic, I don't remember the exact number, but what, um, some, something that would be encouraging for us as developers creating third-party experiences. Yeah, this was actually really, really good news that the number of interactions that were handled with third-party actions. So places where the Google Assistant handed it off to somebody else, namely the stuff that we as developers are making, um, more than doubled last year. So over the past year, more than twice as many of those interactions are now being handled by us, by the stuff that we're writing. And that, I think, is really encouraging news, yeah. especially at a time when, you know, it's easy to say, oh, that's being handled by the assistant. And why am I doing this? And what is the, what, at a time when you start to question yourself about whether we're actually doing anything useful, that kind of statistic is really significant. Yeah, I wonder um, what's behind that. Is it just um, awareness on um, user's perspective that they, they, they can do these types of things? Is it uh, discoverability, things that they're doing so that it's easier for, for users to, to find things? Um, you know, is, are they doing something to, to transfer more of the things off? Um, I'm just trying to f understand what's happening that's different that made things double. 
That's a really good question. And I don't know for sure, but I'm willing to bet that at least some of it is increased awareness. Some of it is probably just general mm -hmm. increased usership of the systems in general. And I suspect also some of it is that Google has been increasing support for things like app actions. So more and more apps are now saying, oh, if we can support the Google Assistant using the, what we've already written, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. So I suspect that, that more and more you're seeing it's, it's that full combination of things. Um, and I think one of the things that's exciting is that about half of the new announcements, as we said, you know, are, are for app actions, but of those, they focus on uh, improving how app actions work and improving discovery. So right. I'm wondering if they saw where the trend was and that's where they put the increased development effort on their end. Now that's interesting because if you, if you are able to increase um, going from a mobile app into an action and have that uh, be the thing that responds to the user's request, then um, you know, they're already, already using their mobile phone to do well, something. It's actually the other way around. So the way app actions mm. work is that you're using the assistant. And by using the assistant, it can you know, just be as simple as your phone is off and you say, hey, G, do something. Um, because it can, the assistant can respond while the phone is off or while the screen is off. And right. then in the past, what it's done is it's launched you into the app at a specified point. So you can okay. skip a bunch of navigation just by using voice. Deeply and then, into it. Right. And then once you're in there, then you're back to using the screen. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. And they've improved that interaction with, um, with a couple of things. The first one being what's now referred to as capabilities. So this is a feature that's really closely tied in with Android. And it kind of registers the fact that this app can support a certain set of built-in intents or BIIs that Google likes to call them. And these BIIs are things like start a run, uh, track certain things about health, place an order. So these are some built-in invocations that will launch you right into the app that makes most sense to do that sort of thing. And capabilities let you register which invocations can belong to which apps. Okay, so um, it's probably good for, for those that are Alexa de developers to just make sure that there's a distinction here. What we would understand as like built-in intents or standard built-in intents is not the same thing as built-in intents um, from the Google perspective. For us, built-in intents are just intents that Amazon gives to us um, to do things like yes and no and help. And, and, and it just has uh, these intents that they give us that already have utterances that uh, mm -hmm. were you know, curated by, by Amazon. So that's and, not the same well, thing. To that extent, they are the same thing. So these are intents that have intents that are curated by Google. The difference is in what they're for. So right. these aren't you know, handling yes, no affirmations like that. They are handling phrases like transfer money, start a walk, um, 
some some real world things that you might want to do directly from the assistant itself. So they're not part of they're they're not inside the skill or action. They're in the assistant to invoke an app action. Yeah. So it's 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 a way to um, get into your action without having to invoke it by its name. Exactly. Or without having necessarily to invoke it by its name. Right. You you still might want to, you know, for example, if you want to order via Starbucks versus via, you know, local burger joint that has their their app installed. You you would, might still need to specify that. But in general, um, these are, are common things. Yeah. So I think on like on the on the Bixby side of things, that would kind of be more on 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 how they were doing customization that you could say, hey, I want to go um, you know, call a, a ride share and you could specify that, oh, you wanted the um, it, not the same exactly because you could in the Bixby side of things, you can say, I want the Uber one to do this or I want the um, well, you know, no, there's, act one. there's actually pretty... there's actually probably some overlap to that, oh, you know, okay. so that if all, you know, if the only app that you have installed that can hail a taxi is what, you know, the, the broad category that Google refers to it by, if you only have one app installed that does that, you don't need to specify which one you want to use. Mm. And if you've got more than one, Android normally will, you know, prompt you which app you want to use. And I'm assuming that capabilities will leverage that same sort of thing. Well, that's interesting because I'm wondering, because um, you, know, you don't really enable actions on your Google devices. So in essence, the whole universe of actions are available to you. So if I were to say, um, you know, you know get, get me a ride, then is there a way to, to, so, to limit that list? Yes, that's, that's exactly what capabilities does. And remember, capabilities are just for app actions. So you need to have the app already installed for okay, these things so the to thing happen. That, the thing that like limits the universe of all the different rideshare apps is what you've actually got installed on your phone. Ex well, yes. The short answer <laughs> is yes. Okay. The longer answer, however, starts getting into the next feature. All right. And that's that Android now supports shortcuts, which are kind of as the name implies, they're, they're the ways to uh, create phrases that directly go to an app in general or create icons on the home screen that directly go to an app in general. That's the, the Android shortcuts system. So now as part of that, you can create apps that leverage shortcuts to also have in suggested invocation phrases that latch onto the shortcut system. And here, one of the interesting things is that if you have a registered shortcut phrase, as I understand it, even for an app that is not yet installed and the person uses that shortcut, your app may be recommended to be installed and to invoke to to execute that invocation. Okay, so that's that's increasing discoverability to the part of things that you don't even yet know about. Exactly, it's meant as a huge discoverability system. And again, that's for recommended shortcuts. There are also parts of the shortcut library that 
you know, let a person create a custom phrase or let you recommend custom phrases and mm-hmm. so forth. That's a really exciting thing when it comes to discovery, because now, you know, even if the person asks for something that they don't have an app installed for, but the assistant knows there are apps that can handle this, it now has a way to suggest those apps be used. Right. And those are, known as, those are known as shortcuts. Yeah, so you don't have to necessarily re, um, rely on getting, you know, this is the phrase that you have to say to invoke my um, action anymore. You can still do that. And there, that's a, a total, right. that's a valid discoverability um, approach. But it's also for those things that people might say, um, or that would be natural for somebody to say, it would bring up some options if they don't even have the, the app installed. Exactly. Nice. So two very nice features somewhere in a mix of here and coming soon. Um, It's not entirely clear, at least not entirely clear to me, what's fully available yet. Um, And a third one that I know is coming that I find really, really interesting, actually. It's, It's what they refer to as a widget. Now, if you're familiar with Android programming, even if you're familiar with using Android, you know that we've been able to put widgets on the home screen for years. So for example, there are widgets out there that will show you the current weather. Um, There are widgets that show you the time in a nice big font. So there, there are already lots of existing widgets. They're extending this so that widgets can now appear in the assistant itself. Oh, so now that's a, it's like an additional rich, uh, response format, right? It's a very, very um, so rich like- response format because it's literally the exact same widget that you could be putting on a homepage, which is essentially anything that you can draw. You can now return to be embedded directly as part of the assistant conversation. So that's, that's nice. So is, but is it just for assistant on mobile or do you know if that would be part of uh, assistant on on uh, home, you know, smart displays? Ah, well, so the answer is no and yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) One of the neat things about widgets is that widgets are also the tool that they're using for things like Android Auto. So for example, if you're having a conversation with Android Auto and you ask a question and as part of its response, it can return a widget which will show up on the screen. Okay. Widgets can show up on your lock screen. So even if you're having a conversation with your phone while it's locked, it can give you a partial visual response in the form of a widget. And I've gotten mixed answers on this, so I'm not positive, but one of the things that it's suggested is that this also is the way to have multi-turn conversations with an app. So normally app actions with capabilities is that they're looking for phrases that launch you into the app. And once you're in the app, you're now interacting with the app, usually the same way you always have by, by poking at it, not by talking to it. Widgets turn that around. So it's delivering a visual interface to the assistant. So you can keep talking to the assistant and it can then keep doing things with the widget. Now, I've gotten mixed answers on what that means actually, and whether that's actually how it's gonna work. But to me, that's 
a huge thing so that now you're, you're still using the app as an app developer, you've still written this code and it's still sitting in one place, but I can now give a hands-free version of it and just oh. have conversations with my already existing app. And I think that could be huge. And yeah. it ends up running on platforms like Android Auto. But it doesn't run on smart displays because smart displays aren't running Android. Interesting. Smart displays are running Fuchsia and most of the stuff that we see once we're in a conversation is actually can be controlled by interactive canvas. And that gets to the other set of improvements that they are mostly promising. Or <laughs> and, it, and it's mostly promising. So a, a there, lot of promises. A lot of promises. Um, and not in the JavaScript sense. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about interactive canvas a half dozen times at least. Big fan. Yeah. Huge Personally. fan. Love it. Um, but there have been frustrating elements about it. So in the past, for example, um, you were required to have that little title bar at the top. Yes. That was always taking up space. So they're introducing an improvement where you can make it go away. Okay, so you can have full screen. You can have full screen. Nice. nice. Not huge, but nice. But it, it definitely starts meaning that you've now got more control over the screen that's going to be there. One of the other issues that, um, that some people may or may not have noticed is that we've talked about how the display is a touch-sensitive display. So you yes. can put up buttons and act, react to touch events. One of the problems with that is that if it was doing text-to-speech at the time that you touched the display, the speech would immediately stop. Yeah. And that is not useful. You know, th that causes problems in some cases. So both of those are finally being changed. Little things, but significant. The big change, and this is a massive change in my mind. And once again, it's not here yet. They've, <laughs> they've, they've promised it. There's a page on it even. So they seem really, really sincere about this promise. Is that they're going to be doing an increased amount of processing locally. That means text-to-speech, you'll be able to do locally. Natural language understanding, you'll be able to do locally. Access to the storage API and the home API, you'll be able to do locally. All of Ooh. this in client-side code, low latency, faster response. A lot of the stuff that we had, you know, that we've had to do in the server, they're now pushing down into the client. Wow, it's the accelerated things that used to happen on the web server and now things a lot of things happen on the client for web applications. Now it's happening for um, for interactive canvas. What what is that feature that you were talking about where you um, it was announced um, probably a year ago by um, by Google where you could keep the microphone open and do do some handling of things locally? Yes. Is this, is this an expansion of that? This is a massive expansion of that from what I can tell. So that was um, what was known as continuous match mode. 
That's right. And in continuous match mode, it basically left the microphone open, listening for specific words. And although we don't have details about what is coming from this, this kind of takes that and says, okay, we're not just looking for specific words now. We're going to let you do the full set of natural language understanding. So the stuff that you, you know, and again, they haven't given out details. So I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But I could easily picture that they're essentially saying all of the intents that you are building in Action Builder, we're going to make some way that you can compile them and download them into the interactive canvas at runtime. Interesting. So, so what, at least the potential, you know, once again, we don't have the details, but one of the, the, the potential there is that whatever you would normally have gotten in your action request JSON, which would be, here is the phrase that you said, the user said, here is the intent that that maps to, here are the, you know, the entity values, could potentially all be available client side. Could, yes. And, all right. and then to take it one step further, the response that you generate the, the text-to-speech, the SSML, the setting values into the session storage, setting values into the user storage and the home storage, all of that may also be available in the client-side JavaScript. So potentially, the first time when you invoke the action, something may need to happen on the server and it responds with the interactive Canvas web app that's going to be running, and then it may never talk to the server again. Okay, so things like send text um, or tapping a button could all be processed client-side. Totally locally. Just Ooh. like the totally locally when we are building web apps these days. Yep. You know, And if you need to communicate with the server, you can do so using you know, using uh, standard JSON requests and responses from your JavaScript. Very nice. So that's, uh, that's exciting. It's very exciting. Now, depending on how they implement it. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of questions here. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, not least of which is we have no idea when they're going to release this. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it's all the little questions like when, what does the API look like? How well does it actually work? Little things like that that are still kind of up in the air, at least from what we know. And, and right. honestly, I don't know. I have, this is not something that they've released yet to, to even the GDEs as a preview. So this is still very much um, a lot of promises. <laughs> you, you know what, um, when they first started talking about interactive canvas, you know, they're leading in that um, interactive canvas is for games. And then we expanded it so that it's available for education and for storytelling. I was like, I was so convinced that their next sentence was going to be, and now interactive canvas is available for all actions. And it didn't happen. Well, what I'm hope what I'm hoping and again, I have no insight on this, and I wish I did. What I'm hoping is that once they release these APIs, we can make a stronger case for, look, why, why are you now making these APIs limited to yeah. games and storytelling? And, you know, these are, because these are, are good uses for it, 
But now if I can do everything client side that I could do server side, why not just let me do everything? So, and, and like I said, I think what Google has realized is that their best approaches for developers going forward is to address the two tracks of developers that are currently out there. Make sure we've got tools for mobile developers, make sure we've got tools for web developers so that both of them can continue doing what they already do with voice. Yeah, and that is, yeah, I think that's a smart approach um, because you've already got uh, this, this base. It just encourages more and more developers to make that incremental step to add voice to whatever they're already doing. Right. Um, I think it's a smart approach. I think it's a great approach. This is a great time for developers to start getting into both of, you know, either technology where they already are. So it's right. literally saying, look, we're not asking you to relearn everything. We're not asking you to start from scratch. Take what you know and build on it and build on it in a very natural way, I hope. Yeah, hopefully. The other, the other final thing, which is again, something that we're clamoring for, but which is so far only being promised <laughs> um, is improving transactions on smart displays. Oh, the monetization. The monetization question. Exactly. So they promised this in October of last year, and they've given us a little more detail now. But initially what it's going to be is to allow people on a smart display to conduct a transaction by entering the, the CVC on their credit card entry. So similar to how Chrome currently lets you pick a credit card and verify it by entering the CVC for a card that you already have registered with Chrome. I'm guessing it's going to be something like that. And then okay. going forward, they said you'll be able to do, you know, enter in the full credit card number ad hoc, it sounds like. So it sounds like initially they're doing something very clever and that's taking advantage of a feature that is already in Chrome and using that in the smart display, which is running Chrome. So that kind of makes sense. And then expanding that going forward. And again, we don't know details. We'll see what actually happens. But everybody who wants to do transactions on smart displays, as I'm sure you are one of them, Mark, have been looking forward to Yes, this. I am. Yeah, I, I hope they take the opportunity to make things easier on the developer side for developing actions that, that do transactions because that part is still a pain. Yeah. Huge pain. I'm not optimistic, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't seem like there were a lot of new things, but some of these changes are, are really substantial. I mean, all of the... All of the yeah. app action stuff are basically saying that Android itself is getting these assistant features as a core functionality. It's not just, you know, this is something that's been bolted on. These are core features of Android and Android development now. Um, and not just used by assistant. And interactive canvas, you know, certainly seems like it has the potential to be where we're going to see most of the development for on, on that side of the world. Um, right. And I think there's still some questions there. Like 
what do we do with these smart speakers? I think there are answers, but I think we need to see exactly what happens. But overall, right. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think these are all uh -huh. good things That's for developers. Something. Yeah, I think, I think it is too. Um, interestingly, like the last um, big thing from, from um, Amazon on the Alexa side also had a whole slew of announcements on how does this work for mobile? Google is in a lot better position than Amazon is with this because of Android. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think we're going to see more and more of um, voice assistance and uh, you know talking to your mobile apps uh, than we have in the past. Definitely. I mean, one of the, one of the the other stats that Google gave in this one was that there are over one billion devices that support the Google Assistant, and I have to imagine a good portion of those are Android phones. So yeah, it's no, it's, I, yeah that, that would make yeah. sense. It's no surprise that they're, they're moving to target that again, partly because there are already developers there and you can tap into that existing base of developers and that existing base of apps. Um, and partly because that's yeah. where the people are. That's, you know, everyone, lots of people have Android phones. Yep, that's that's true, and um, I guess while we're we're talking about it a little bit with the the next big uh, opportunity for Amazon to talk about Alexa. Oh is, yeah, uh, is, is a um, Alexa Live that's coming uh, July twenty first. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they release uh, and kind of push as part of that, and see how much their mobile messaging, mobile communication strategy. Uh, will be fleshed out in that. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think it will be to see, you know, kind of where where they're focusing on too. I think, you know, we might see some very similar things. Um, maybe they'll um, expand web API for games so that we can do it uh, for education and storytelling. Who knows? That'll be interesting. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how they match Google on that front. Yeah. Or whether they're going to go all in on APL and just release a bunch new and enhanced APL features, which is equally likely. Yeah, it is interesting as, as they've come out with the new Echo Show 10 and um, adding things called extensions. So there, there's definitely room for additional features, uh, add-on features um, to like major announcements that they've already made. Yep, so you know, looking forward to July 21st and when that happens, you can be sure that we're going to be covering it on Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Take care, Alan. Take care, Mark. And uh, thanks, everybody, for watching.